What you are about to hear may include disturbing descriptions of sexual or physical abuse, or may contain coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another bonus episode of Chasing Enlightenment Season 1. For this episode, I'm speaking with a man named Eric. Eric is a listener who got in touch after he heard the show because he wanted to share his own experiences with the students of light. Eric wasn't a student of light himself, but he knew a number of group members personally. And as you'll hear in our interview, Eric's perspective on the group is a bit more positive than those of many former members you heard on the podcast so far. We wanted to share it with you to make sure we can incorporate a diversity of perspectives. You're listening to a bonus episode of Chasing Enlightenment Season 1, my interview with Eric. Before we talk about the Students of Light, could you please introduce yourself by telling me a bit about your history living in the Junction neighborhood? Sure. Uh, so I moved to the Junction in the mid-1980s, and uh, I was about 11 when I moved into the Junction. I uh, went to school in the area. Uh, at the time I was in elementary school, uh, I didn't know of anybody associated with this group. And then when I went to high school, I was aware of some people who were involved. And over the years of, uh, of living in the junction, uh, the junction was a much different place in the 80s and 90s. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the, the nicest part of Toronto. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, at that time, that, that was fine. Uh, it, it, it was what I, uh, grew up in and, and, uh, and it was all I knew and, and it was fine from, from that perspective. So I was aware of this group of people, uh, within the neighborhood and they, um, you know, they, they didn't drag down the neighborhood in, in, uh, my childhood estimation and, uh, and they didn't really boy it either. They just sort of existed there. So when you were in high school, how did you find out about the group um, and what did you really know about them? Very little. It, it, it was. So the people that I knew in high school were uh, some of them became friends of mine. Uh, I found them to be nice and thoughtful, uh, generous, gentle. Uh, you know, some of the um, perceptions in in your earlier podcast paint a, a portrait of, of people who are rather insular. But the kids that I knew in, in high school, I, there were maybe about three or four of them that I knew well. They were great. I, I really enjoyed their friendships. And they didn't talk about their involvement in the group. It, was, uh, it wasn't really spoken about. It was just over time in high school, I, I was aware that that there were this group of people and they seemed cohesive, right? They would, they would go to and from school together, which of course is not unusual. Um, uh, but they just seemed to be a fairly tighter community. So I wondered if there was something there, but there wasn't anything 
there wasn't anything that made the spidey sense tingle. It was, it was, it, I just figured they were just neighborhood people. And, and if they uh, did have a, uh, a set of beliefs that they followed, um, it was, it was something followed together and it, it wasn't imposed or, 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 or cast in any sort of negative light. And did you associate the group with any of their businesses in the neighborhood, such as the restaurants that they ran? So the vegetarian restaurant was was a restaurant that my family uh, we we frequented, and for years we had no idea, didn't know that it it that there was John Hainis and and any of the uh, students of light and uh, didn't know any of that. It was uh, a, a decent restaurant, made good food, and uh, it, probably the only negative thing I can ever recall us saying about it is sometimes it took a little longer to get your food order together. But that was it. And uh, so it, it wasn't really until uh, I was in university that I got to know who they were until I, uh, I started to date one of their members. So, so, yeah, could you tell me about when you started dating someone in the group? Sure. So I was in university and uh, I was at University of Toronto. So so we're we're now into about the uh, the early 90s. So uh, I was at uh, U of T and I ran into somebody that I recognized uh, that I went to high school with. And I have to admit that I had a bit of a crush on her. She was older than me. Um, but um uh, saw her around uh, around the campus. Uh, we had uh, we had a couple of classes together, and uh, we just started hanging out with each other. And uh, and we hit it off, and uh, and off we went. And uh, we were together for uh, for a couple of years. And did you know right away that she was part of this group? Did you remember that from when you were younger, or was it something she spoke about? You know, I think the I think the first time that I realized that um, that I was in something with somebody who had some profound sense of belief uh, was when fairly early in the in the relationship and we were talking about spirituality and religion and and so on and I had mentioned that uh, when I was a kid I went to a Christian school and uh, so she was interested in this and I told her that I always struggled with it. And so I told her I was an atheist then. I'm an atheist now. And uh, and that's just a, a worldview that I'm comfortable with. And when I had mentioned, and it was, a, in my mind, a fairly casual remark of I'm an atheist. She burst into tears. And um, I thought that that was a stronger reaction than I anticipated. And she said, I can't be with you if, if that's what, what you believe in. So I think we talked about it a little bit further. Um, and, you know, a few days went by and, and I thought maybe that was the end of the relationship. And uh, we were back together as if I hadn't made that statement. But over the next few months and actually over the next year and a bit, uh, she did try to to draw me in and uh, and share her beliefs with me without putting a name to anything. I should say that until I heard your podcast, I had never heard the the 
term student of light or beings of light. Um, she just called it the group. And, uh, and then as the more she talked about it, I became aware of, of this, this pocket community within the junction who all live near each other. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they spent time with each other. You know, there was uh, something called the young adults group that she attended. And uh, I think it was a once a week gathering where, you know, as she put it to me, um, it was a time of, of connection and sharing and, uh, and, and dealing with things together with other young adults. Now, was there ever any hesitation on her part to talk about this? Or did she seem pretty open to just sharing things with you? So not hesitation. It seems it, it's not like I asked her a question and, and she had a difficult time talking about it. She was, she was quite forthcoming in, in sort of the general philosophy of things as she as she saw it, or or perhaps as the way her family practiced it, and the way that she shared it with me was it was like Christianity mixed with uh, New Age ideas and sort of this um, Eastern mysticism infused throughout it. And so when she talked about it uh, initially, it it sounded different. But, you know, it wasn't anything that she was talking about where I wondered about her well-being. And, and you said she would attend these young adult groups. Do you have a sense of kind of the details of what would go on during those meetings? Um, I asked her once and uh, and she was not forthcoming about the details other than to say it was it was an opportunity for teenagers people in their early 20s to to talk about things in their lives and uh any spiritual struggles that they may be having and you know and she equated some of those spiritual struggles with emotional struggles which you know again when she said that to me i thought that's that sounds like a wonderful idea for uh for for young people to be able to spend time with each other and 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 share their travails with each other. I did ask her at one point and you know I I was maybe 2021 20, at the time. Uh so there is uh some of that youthful hubris and uh and I I asked her if they talked about if she talked about me. And when she said yes, uh I did press her on that. You know, what do you, what do you talk about? Is it is it about our relationship? Is it about me in particular? I mean, how does that uh, how does that look? And she said we cover a, a quite a bit of ground together, and that's all she would leave it at. So I didn't know whether um, she was sharing things with that group about you know I'm I'm dating this atheist. What do I do? And I I can only assume that she did uh, the group that she spent time with knew where I stood on things. And I never, I should say, I never felt any, uh, anything negative from any of them. I never felt shunned, uh, or, or unwelcome. The people that I, I hung around with, uh, I thought them wonderful people. And, you know, in, in your friendships with your girlfriends, friends in the group that she introduced you to, did you speak to them a lot about the group and the and kind of group practices and spirituality as well? Did they tend to talk about the group or were they a bit more closed off about it? Um, maybe a couple conversations here and there. And again, the way that they had treated it was 
was, a, you know, more along this, this, this spirituality, the sense of searching, um, this, the sense of enlightenment, I, you know, the, the title of your podcast chasing enlightenment actually fits beautifully with, with how they would characterize it. Um, but the people that I spoke with, they didn't, they didn't talk about things in terms of, you know, I have to have to obey what the leader tells me. I do remember hearing John's name, but it was more about this is this is someone who is senior within our group rather than this is someone whose you know orders I I must obey. So it it any time we did talk about it it was more about a a a personal quest for for enlightenment and I certainly didn't get a sense that there was any harm in how they approached it. Uh, I do remember, and, and you know, a little bit of a, a departure from the question that you just asked me, that the some of the parents of the uh, the people that I got to know had come from fairly difficult circumstances. There were people who had left uh, the U.S., um, broken homes, uh, lives that had been damaged in some way, uh, difficult relationships. And, um, you know, I could look at it from a sympathetic perspective that perhaps this group provided the kind of community and family that uh, that that a number of these people were looking for. Um, but uh, but it was, you know, the parents of my friends and, uh, and the more more senior people in the group uh, all seemed to uh, have come from difficult circumstances or, or were searching for enlightenment and they had found this community together. So again, as as you know, I found the the system be- of belief a little unusual, I suppose, because it was such a mix of things. Um, the reasons for it, uh, I I could understand where they were coming from, you know. And and there was a, a comment too uh, made in one of your podcasts about uh, about whether John would authorize trips and. My uh, my girlfriend at the time we we did we went on a trip to Europe, and I when I heard that part in your podcast I was racking my brains trying to remember if she had said anything about permission received, and I don't recall that. Now moving forward a little bit, could you tell me about when your girlfriend tried to get you to join the group? So. In speaking about this trip that we were on together, I have this distinct memory of us flying back to Canada. And we'd had a few conversations while we were on this trip together. And she said, you know, I don't I don't understand how you can be an atheist. And I said, well, I don't understand how you can believe something without evidence. And it, it went back and forth that way. And it was a difficult conversation. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of judgment in it from from both of us. And um, she said, "Will you at least have a look at at this book?" And I cannot remember the title of the book or who the author was, but it was it was kind of this new age mysticism. There were you know points about crystals and aura balancing and notions of of reincarnation and and so I said okay well it's a long flight I will I will look through this book and 
I remember as we were getting closer to landing in Toronto and she said, so what do you think? And I said, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get how this is, this is something that you, you could believe in. I mean, this is a lot of this stuff is, is, is looks fabricated to me. And she, obviously quite upset by that and so we carried on that way for a little bit longer just just her saying would you read this book would you listen to this thing that i am telling you about this idea and i was open to it at first and i found it increasingly difficult to uh, to buy into what she was selling until eventually she said to me you know do we have a future together and I said, does our future depend on whether I believe what you believe? And she said, yes. And I said, then we don't. And, uh, and that was, that was it. I can, I can remember though, the first time she said something that was in line with her beliefs that sounded baffling to me. I was staring out the window. I think this is before we went on our trip together. I was staring out the window and she snapped at me and she said, something along the lines of you're, you're letting your consciousness loose. And I turned around and I said, what? She said, you're letting, you're letting go of your consciousness. I said, I'm staring at the window and thinking about something. What do you mean? I'm letting go of my consciousness. And I had no idea what she was talking about. Even when I interrogated her further on it, what does this mean? What is, what are you, what are you trying to, trying to say? And it wasn't until your podcast where I, understood finally what the group talks about when it talks about your consciousness and and you know i was staring and i was letting go of my consciousness if i let go of my consciousness i was i would potentially letting something in and and i think that was part of it too and i said what would i be letting in you know other than the fact that i'm i'm just sort of busy with my thoughts at the moment but it was it was the vehemence uh, that she came at it, this, this forcefulness of the, of a statement, you know, it wasn't just, Oh, you're going to let your consciousness go doing that. Um, it was, it was something that, uh, that was much more pointed. It was, you better rein that in. Otherwise it could be replaced by something. And, uh, and it was at that moment too, I began to appreciate maybe just how, how deep her, her beliefs were. Were there any other moments like that that you remember her making comments that just sort of, you know, felt a bit strange like that? Well, there was. Um, so, I, again, I, I should say this, that her parents were absolutely lovely to me. Um, when I was in university, uh, they um, they got me a place uh, with extraordinarily low rent on my uh my impoverished student budget that I could afford. So I, you know, I just wanted to show that generosity, uh, certainly a, a munificent uh, couple they were. And um, there was this one summer and her, uh, uh, my girlfriend's parents gave me a job and, uh, and it was to renovate their house. And again, they didn't have to do that. They paid me for it, um, and they were um, they were great throughout. But there was this one moment that I I had gone to Home Depot or Canadian Tire, or whatever, and I got this this nice hammer, and I was working on something, 
and I turned around and the, I thought I'd left a hammer on a, on a table. And I said out loud, I said, huh, where'd my hammer go? And her mother was walking by and she said, sorry, did you lose something? I said, yeah, I put my hammer on the table and now it's gone. And she said, well, maybe one of the little people took it. And I said, well, I'm going to find that little person, kick his ass and get my hammer back. And I thought we were having fun. And this very ashen look over her face. And she said, I'm serious. It's quite possible that's what happened. And I said, sorry, what? You, you, you mean like somebody, like a leprechaun came along and took my hammer? She said, well, not like that. I just mean that there could be a, a, a rift in our dimensions and someone took your hammer then. And I didn't press it. I just said, oh, okay. And that one stuck with me. I thought that was, again, it's not, it's not an awful thing to say. It's just an extraordinarily unusual thing to say. And it was those sorts of little comments throughout, you know, I would hear those. So there was never a reference to the group and its beliefs and, and philosophy, philosophy per se. It was those little comments here and there that helped me appreciate or understand how their, uh, their worldview was, uh, was quite different than my own. Now you've you've spoken a bit about your impressions of group members. You know, you said they were generally quite lovely people. You said um, some things about kind of the background that a lot of them had. Is there anything else that you think you noticed that you know group members had in common? Kind of an overall impression of what group members tended to be like. There was nothing I would say that that I could point to the group of them and and use a good descriptive adjective. Except for maybe that a majority of the of the people that I knew were generous and kind. They're just people. They're people who are searching for something. Um, they're people who who you know want something in their lives. It's a sense of community, a sense of something greater than themselves, and um, just people trying to uh, trying to figure things out for themselves. I should say, actually, you know, thinking of a memory, my one of my close friends, he also dated someone from the group and he was not in the group. And um, he and his girlfriend moved to a neighborhood just outside of of this junction area where the group is. And she lasted about a year before she said it's important that I move back and because I feel too distant from my community. And so there was there really was that that sense of cohesiveness there that even just a few blocks away from from that group seemed to be uh seemed to be a challenge for uh, for some of the group members. They they certainly did uh they did thrive off those connections of being uh proximate to each other. Would you say that your views about the group have changed at all since you listened to the podcast? I was not aware of uh, how John Haynes fit into the picture. Again, I was aware of his name and I was aware of Joanne's name. I was, you know, that was, I wouldn't say shocking. It was disturbing. The fact that people that I know and that I knew and I, I cared about may have experienced some of those things. Uh, it's a bit heartbreaking. 
the experiences as well by uh, uh, by people who had been sexually abused that I had heard none of. And when I heard that, I, you know, I couldn't help but think, was it more widespread? Was it going on at the time that I was uh, that I was with this person? And you know, did they did they not talk about these things and and hold these kinds of hurts and pains in? And uh, and certainly in in the depiction of of John Hanus and his his relationship of with this group was was someone who certainly uh, certainly seemed to enjoy the power he held and wanted to hang on to that power uh, regardless of the cost. And again, you know, I've, when I when I hear that, I did wonder as I was listening to the podcast if any of any of the people that I knew were they were they casualties uh in any of this and and that I found again that was that was difficult to hear and I think for the older ones it was it was about chasing enlightenment it was it was about looking for answers and um I mean that's talk about something that is so fundamental to being a human being is is looking for answers is is trying to understand your place in the world and and your relationship with other people. And when you can find people that that share some values and some beliefs and and so on, you know, again, this is this is how these these groups conform. It's it's when there are people who are benefiting through exercise of of power and um and taking advantage of others. And that's uh that's when it really um that's when it really hurts and hits. Chasing Enlightenment was written and narrated by Daniel Monroe. Audio production and editing by Carolyn Smiley. Additional research and voiceovers by Robert Monroe. Artwork and web design by Megan Hilario. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. You can find more information about the show and ways to support us at ChasingEnlightenment.net. Contact us at ChasingEnlightenment at gmail.com. For mental health support in Canada, visit wellnesstogether.ca or text 686868 for immediate help. Those seeking to leave abusive relationships can visit EndingViolenceCanada.org.